All those in favor of having Christmas every day, raise your right hands and say aye. Aye. But that's impossible, Mr. Whipple. Christmas is only supposed to last one day. Well, Davy, maybe that's because nobody ever thought of making it last any longer. Why do people always make the same mistake? Why do they let Christmas slip away? What a lovely change if we could arrange for Christmas Day to come and stay and never ever go away. Why can't every day be Christmas? Why can't every day be gay? Why can't every day be Merry Christmas each and every day? No need to wait until December. It's always Christmas in your heart. Just as long as you remember, friends must never ever part. So let each day welcome, ladies and gentlemen, elves and reindeer, uh, strict city women with hardworking corporate attitudes and uh, friendly diner waitresses in small towns just trying to stay alive in the world of globalization. Uh, this is Emily. I'm one half of your feminine critique. Uh, and today I'm going to do something a little a little different for you. Today is the first of a series of stocking stuffer episodes, if you will, where I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, these uh, family movies that I keep keep coming up around this time of year. So it is December, which means if you have a television and you decide to turn to one of three channels, those being ABC Family, Lifetime, or the Hallmark Channel, you are going to be bombarded with uh, pretty much the same thing over and over again. It's going to be some kind of Christmas movie. And this, I do specifically say Christmas, not holiday. They're always Christmas movies. Uh, and they are about finding the true meaning of Christmas. Always. Every time. And it happens the same way. And it's weird and fascinating that there is this entire industry and trove of these movies, and I'm talking about a hundred or maybe a year, and I'm not exaggerating, and I exaggerate a lot, I'm Italian, but there are so many of these movies, and they're all the same, and they keep making them, so clearly they make money, or they get tax breaks or something, I don't know, but they're everywhere. And what happened, to, to give some background, a couple of years ago, I thought it'd be a great idea to blog about these so I did an entire month where uh, I just reviewed all of these ABC Family original Christmas movies. And it's one thing to watch them. It's another thing to watch them and write about them and spend so much time realizing the ridiculousness and emptiness of them. But that doesn't stop me from watching them for various reasons that we'll get into. So what we're going to do today, I'm just going to run through kind of the the rules of these movies and what you're going to find in them. And I'll use one movie as an example. And then in hopefully on the next episode, I'll be joined by the dear Christine, who has not really experienced these movies. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her... Uh, learn the true, true meaning of Christmas, which is always, without question, that it's more important to um, enjoy the pleasantness of a small town uh, than it is to work hard at your job. 
almost always that's the way it goes. Uh, so today, let's we're going to go through, there are really 10 things that you are going to find in these movies. So we're going to talk about those 10 things, and the movie in question that we're going to use as an example is something called Christmas Under Wraps. And yes, the titles are usually puns. Uh, there's about 50 different movies that are a variation of 12 Days of Christmas. There's 12 Wishes of Christmas, the 12 Boyfriends of Christmas, 12 Dates for, of Christmas. It, they, you know, it's a lot of that South Park episode where they show the Family Guy writing room and it's just a bunch of manatees bumping into each other with things written on them. Uh, that's also the way these movies work. So there's certain tropes we have to nail in every one, a few optional, but we're going to go over. So Christmas Under Wraps, which was made for, I believe this one was a Hallmark Channel original, uh, directed by Peter Sullivan, who directed TV stuff, because that's usually the rule of it. With Christmas Under Wraps, uh, we're going to start with our heroine. Now, these movies always, typically, 98% of the time, have a heroine, not a hero. These are movies made for women who like movies about really bland, pretty women that learn there's more to life than achieving your dreams, basically. Uh, and in this particular case, our woman is none other than Lauren Brunel. Now, sometimes your lead is going to have a cute name like Noel or like Holly. A lot of times they're Christmas-themed names. But in this case, they restrain themselves and our lead is Lauren. Uh, now one of the first rule or kind of the first kind of sub rule of this is that your lead is usually played by one of two things, a C D list actress or an actress who maybe had a big career in TV in the nineties and is now clearly like not really that into auditioning. So we'll just kind of do whatever she can film for a week without too much stress. Uh, and in this case, case in point, a person that will show up in a lot of these movies, Candace Cameron Bure, the famous DJ Tanner of Full House fame. And Candace Cameron plays Lauren. Lauren is a doctor, which means she works hard, obviously, because you'd have to be, to be a doctor. And she's trying to get her residency in the big city. I think in this case, the big city is Boston. Now, this will lead us to number two, but before I get there, let's talk about one other rule about the lead. Lead is one of two things. She is a hardworking career woman who doesn't understand that there's more to life than her career, and spoiler alert, she's going to learn by the end of the movie, or occasionally, if they cast a younger, lesser-known actress, uh, she's usually somebody who's really earnest about Christmas and wants to share that with somebody richer, you know, usually it's a man who's too career driven. So, it, you know, occasionally they, they give some equality to the sexes. Uh, now in this case though, it's the first, it is, you know, the early part of it where it is Candace Cameron works hard, wants to be a famous, successful doctor. Now, number two, the second thing you're going to need in this movie is that your setting is going to be one of three things. Your setting is always going to be the big bad city, or a charming, sickeningly quaint town, often with a small business that is in danger of closing. Uh, the other option you'll occasionally find, this is the curveball they'll throw in these movies, is a magical winter wonderland. Think uh, there's a movie Snow Globe where a character literally gets sucked into a snow globe. 
Uh, that's the third version of it. Basically, it's like a variation of the North Pole. But in this case, um, we start with sort of a city. And usually you'll never actually film in a city because that's expensive, guys. It's typically a uh, a lot of establishing shots of New York landmarks and then filming inside like conference rooms that are supposed to simulate Manhattan and apartments that nobody in these movies can afford because they're not real apartments. But anyway, uh, now in this case... Lauren uh, wants to go to Boston and be a doctor, but curveball thrown at her, she doesn't get this internship or residency or whatever doctors do. Instead, the only place she can work, guys, is in this tiny little town in Alaska. So she's got to get on a plane and then get on another plane, and it's a whole thing, and it's really far, and you can't buy fancy clothes there. And there's like all these small businesses because you have to have small businesses and you do have it in this movie. So, so far we've got, you know, one and two are done. It's there. Now, number three, you need a bland love interest. Always a love interest. Typically a good looking man. Rarely that handsome a man. Uh, I'm telling you again, two rules of casting. They either, the men in these movies typically look like they were auditioning for Pretty Little Liars and maybe got a call back, but ultimately were not cast. These are guys who are less interesting than the actor who plays Ezra Fitz, if that makes any sense to anybody. So it's either that guy or it's Patrick Muldoon. Without, you know, it's one, it ends up like a 50-50. Patrick Muldoon does a lot of these movies. Uh, so you get that. In the case of Christmas Under Wraps, our love interest is played by David O'Donnell, who just flipping the other day I saw in another one of these movies. So he's uh, the most I can say about him is his name is David O'Donnell. And that's just about all I remember. Uh, so we got our bland love interest. Um, fourth thing, you will almost always have a montage. The montage is usually around the time our, you know, uh, very um, disciplined heroine starts to loosen up a bit. Maybe she changes clothes from like boots to moccasins that have Santa hats on them or something. Uh, honestly, I watched this like three weeks ago. I don't remember if there was a montage, but there probably was because there always is. Now, moving on, number five, another one of the small things that these movies will usually have. Uh, the budget on these movies is not very big. They are pretty much counting on whatever, you know, I mean, they're not, they can't be paying their lead that much, I'm guessing, based on the talent they usually wrangle for it. Uh, but they, you know, have to dress them. So they, you know, somebody goes to JCPenney and goes to the sales rack and gets them some clothing. But one thing every movie will spring for is typically they will buy the rights to like one, maybe two famous Christmas songs. And often you will have that song played in like three different versions throughout the movie. So you'll have like you know, the, uh, I don't know, somebody that sounds like Burr Alive singing Holly Jolly Christmas, and then you'll have a kid's chorus singing Holly Jolly Christmas. Uh, so it's one of the things that you can look out for in these movies. Again, long time ago, I don't remember if this one specifically has it, but it probably does. Now we're moving on to number six. And the sixth thing that you are absolutely required, and this there is no exception, you need a mildly sassy sidekick to our heroine. Now, it comes in typically one of three forms. Uh, could be a friend, very simple. Could be a sister, often a character in there. 
uh, could be a coworker who's like so close that isn't really like nobody's that close to their coworker without being friends. But there's always like just a strange close relationship. Occasionally, it's like a magic elf. Uh, it happens. Trust me. In this movie, uh, the sassy sidekick comes courtesy of our doctor's. Now remember, Lauren is a doctor. Her head nurse, who's uh, acts with like this weird smile the whole time where she's just really happy and it's kind of unsettling and I don't trust her one bit. The other rules about the sassy sidekick, usually they're, um, wacky in like a really minor way where they just wear dangly earrings of like Christmas ornaments. Uh, sometimes they wear pigtails. That's a big thing they'll do. And another, and this is like a really important, important rule of this is that the sassy sidekick can never be better looking than our lead actress. Guarantee it. She'll be cute. Like, it's where the lead actress is going to be, like, pretty to beautiful, then the sassy sidekick is cute. You got to have it. Uh, you know, when we get to, I know we're going to cover a movie this month, Jenny Garth. Jenny Garth is a very pretty woman, but you know, not the most beautiful in the world. I guarantee that, you know, whoever is her sidekick is more like a Gabrielle Carteris. Because... That's the way it's got to be. Uh, number seven, and this is the this is the optional thing. Thankfully, uh, the cloying child. Uh, often, uh, a lot of these movies, the love interest will be like a, a widowed dad. Trust me, it's never divorced dad. It's often a widowed dad because there's more sympathy built in there. And a lot of times he'll have a kid, and the kid's supposed to be like cute and sweet, but really it's just the most obnoxious fucking kid you've ever seen act on screen. Uh, in the case of Christmas Under Wraps, we are thankfully spared any children. Like, there, there are some running around, but we never have to, like, actually talk to them. So it's a good thing. But I, I warn you, if you decide to continue with these movies, that you are going to encounter some of the worst children actors since Jake Lloyd. And I'm, I don't say that lightly. The eighth thing that you'll have in most of these movies is token slapstick. Because, you know, when you're writing these movies, as I suspect you are, like, in, during your lunch break, uh, you can only, you gotta fill time. And so you just write one page where you say, you know, uh, sassy sidekick drops cake and hijinks happen. It, you just need that there. A lot of times there's an animal that gets that done. In the case of Christmas Under Wraps, um, there's a reindeer and the reindeer gets hurt and... You know, it's it's not overly slapstick, but it's just kind of wacky. Uh, often, the other slapstick thing that will happen is that the lead actress, because remember, she's like a city person and everything, uh, she'll be just dressed inappropriately to do whatever she's supposed to be doing. So she's wearing, like, high heels and then walks on, you know, in a farm and her heels get stuck and everybody laughs, presumably. Now, the ninth thing, and again, this is one of the things that you will find more often than not, you need a sage old person, typically in the form of a parent, oddly enough, more commonly a future in-law. It's like the love interest's father, who for whatever reason takes like a weird uh, liking to our heroine and is there to give her all this advice. Occasionally, it's just like the local diner owner, small business owner, usually. So there's always somebody that's old and therefore wise and can give advice about the meaning of Christmas. In the case of Christmas Under Wraps, this is a pretty cool one 
because we get the other kind of high-profile name, if Candace Cameron wasn't high-profile enough for you, we get none other than Brian Doyle Murray, who, you know, uh, some might know as Bill Murray's brother. To me, he'll always be uh, Chris Elliott's roommate on Get a Life. But to others, you know, he has the Scrooge connection. And he plays the love interest father, as I said, future in-law. It's weird, I think. Uh, and Brown Doyle Murray plays the character. Get this, guys. Are you ready? His name is Frank Holiday. I mean, whatever. Uh, and the first thing we say to him is, oh, you look like Santa Claus. Which brings us to number 10. Often the sage older person might actually be Santa Claus. In the universe of Hallmark and ABC Family and Lifetime, Santa Claus is real. He exists. He's a thing. Uh, in some cases, it's like a whole part of the movie where you, you know, Santa has to get his sleigh ready in our feisty, once corporate, now uh, Christmas celebrating heroines, the only one that can get him there. It happens a lot. In the case of Christmas Under Wraps, it's weird because there is like a hint or two early on where it's like, hey, look, there's a reindeer. That's weird. Hey, what do you do in that shipping company? Oh, I don't know. Hey, is that an elf? Oh, I don't know. And then literally in the last two minutes, it's uh, Brandon Murray comes out in a sled and is like, oh, here's something to tell you. And Candace Cameron says, spoiler alert, I know. And that that's it. And that's just, it just ends with, by the way, he's Santa Claus. Uh, not always handled in like a big dramatic way. I would be a little more shocked, but I am not a doctor who spurned the city for the good old Alaskan wilderness and of a quaint small town. So the morals of these movies is typically two things. One is that small towns are better than cities. It's a plain rule of life, I guess. And the other is that um, being ambitious is bad. It's, it's clear in these movies, and I've watched a lot of them. Uh, so as you can see, Christmas Under Wraps, the 2014 film. Uh, oh, I know this is like a bonus, but the cover of these movies is usually a really awkward photoshopped thing where it's like the lead actress and the actor, half the time they're not in the same picture clearly. And then there's this like scenic Hallmark card behind them. And it's always very uncomfortable. The perspective is weird. Why is the tree so big? Why is his hand so giant? It's strange. They're, they don't make frameable artwork out of these things, I don't think. But there is really no merit to these movies. They're typically terrible. They are bland. Occasionally you'll get a good one. Occasionally you'll say something like, hey, that's Amy Acker. She's cute. What's she doing in one of these movies? And then you get sad. Uh, but for whatever reason, I flip around and it's on and I just, there's the game involved in sitting back, reading the synopsis and seeing how quickly you can tell everything that's happening just from it. And I guarantee you'll be able to, if you ever worry that you're not smart, just sit down and watch two minutes of one of these movies and realize that you're smarter than it and it will make you feel better. And I think that's the true meaning of Christmas. So that is the first stocking stuffer for you. I hope you enjoyed it. I don't particularly hope you seek out Christmas under wraps, but if you want to, it's, hey, just observe how much it follows the, the 10 rules that I've laid out. Uh, we are going to be back now to give you a quick update on the season. We have a few things in the mix including the next episode, which is going to be an interview with Infinite Santa and Drive-In Horror Show creator, director, Splendor, Michael Neal. So that'll be fun. 
And also on that episode, we will talk about some of our favorite Christmas television and or movie things. So that will be a good time. And after that, we have a Silent Night, Deadly Night spectacular to discuss. Because remember, little Miss Christine ain't never seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. She don't know the power of the montage and of punish and of grandpa. And it's going to be a thrill to hear her experience it for the first time. And when you're not doing that, you can listen to a few more of these little stocking stuffers. Or if, again, you kind of hate yourself and want to feel miserable or smart, then just turn on one of these family channels. And a lot of these movies are also streaming on Netflix for a while. I think everything that was made for ABC Family just went to Netflix. Like, there was an auction. It was one of those auctions where you, they, like, the auctioneer talks so quickly that you don't realize that the auctioneer has just paid you a quarter to take something. And that's where most of these movies end up. Or again, just turn on your TV because I promise you, it's always on. You can't avoid them. And it's something to do, and so I do it for you. I've laid out the rules. Think of it as Scream, only way less interesting, with less blood, but more JCPenney's catalog clothing. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. Beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird. Here to stay is a new bird. He's singing a song as we go along. Walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow, we can build a snowman and pretend that he's a Santa Claus. When it snows, ain't it thrilling? Though your nose gets a chillin', we'll frolic and play the Eskimo way, walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow, we can build a snowman and pretend that he's a Santa Claus. We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman. Talking while we were walking in our winter wonderland.